The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Chris Sheeran Show. It's a brand new edition here on YesNetwork.com and, of course, on iTunes Podcast. Just type in Chris Sheeran Show and booyah. There you go. You get this great hour of content for absolutely free 99. Of course, always joined with Lou DiPietro. That's Lou DiPietro, yes to you and me. And I am at Chris Sheeran, yes, on the Twitter. Uh, We're also on Facebook now. You can go to our Chris Sheeran Show Facebook page. And hey, give us a like. Give us the thumbs up. Join the 203 that have already done so. Yes. Why are you on the outside looking in like the Nets are no longer doing in the Eastern Conference playoff picture? segue. Look at that. Already, I'm on fire. This is uh, under a minute I'm on fire with the segue. Doug would be proud of me wherever Doug is right now. I know he would be. He's at SNY. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the the <laughs> Brooklyn Nets. Um, who would have thunk it? Uh, they, they hadn't won three in a row all season long, Lou. Yeah. Not three in a row all season long. They are currently in the midst of a five-game winning streak. Now, a lot of Nets fans remain skeptical yes. because of how this team's resume has gone forward this year. You know, we've talked about it, the whole Paul Abdul, MC Scat Cat song from back in the day in the we 90s. We have. We have. Two steps forward, one step back. So I would not fault a Nets fan out there for thank you, for sitting there waiting for that step back to happen, considering their next eight games, their next seven in a row. The last one is against Orlando. Mm-hmm. You know, throw that one out the window. It might be the most important game of the year, though. They might need to win it, considering... The seven games before that, starting with the Raptors tomorrow night, they have Raptors, Hawks twice, who are atop the Eastern yeah. Conference. And have, and have a very legitimate reason for wanting to beat the Nets because they own the Nets' first-round pick. Exactly. A lottery <laughs> pick is better than number 14. Right. So the Hawks, are not, yeah, the Hawks are not taking those games off by any stretch of the imagination. I, I can guarantee you they're not. Mm-mm. Okay, so let's break it down. They have... They have the Raptors. They mm-hmm. they have the Hawks twice. That's mm-hmm. three. I know they have the Bucks in there. That's four. They have the, it's um it's they have Raptors. the Wizards. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Why don't you give it to me in order? It's Raptors at the Hawks Saturday. That's a tough back to back. Back to back. Yeah. And a belly yep. to belly. Uh, Portland on Monday back at Barclays. That's the makeup. Then Atlanta. Right. At Barclays again. Then Washington. I believe next Friday uh-huh. at the Bark. At Milwaukee. I forget who the game is in between at at the very end and then Orlando. So they have another back-to-back. I know it's the 12th and 13th because yeah. those are the last two televised on yes. It's Washington-Milwaukee. Yes. It's uh, Milwaukee. Chica- Mo- Chicago's in there too. I'm yeah. sorry. Chicago's Mo- it's, in there. It's Milwaukee and I think the Bulls back-to-back, the 12th and the 13th. Right. So Washington is like next Wednesday. Right. So you're talking about the next seven. Th- this is what I said on Twitter, and it's exactly word-for-word word correct. You could say take it one game at a time all you want in the post-game press conferences after wins. Now it's put up or shut up. Oh, absolutely. Throw out the window the rest of the season. Throw out the window that that resume that they've built, that awful resume that if they walked into some uh, boss's office and laid it down on the table, it would immediately be thrown into the garbage because that's exactly what the Nets have been up until this five-game winning streak. Now, you could sit there and say, well, they almost blew the game against the Knicks. They only won by two. Yes, but those were the games they couldn't close during the season. Mm -hmm. Those were the games that they had in hand in the fourth quarter, and they lost. So don't sit there and say, well, they almost lost. No, they won. They've won five straight, but now their next seven. I'm not saying they have to win seven in a row. I'm not. They could right now. They're 34 and 40. Okay, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. They're 34 and 40. They have eight games left. They were 29 and 40 two weeks ago. Right. They could still – it's probably not going to happen. They have beaten the Raptors this year. Mm-hmm. They have done that, so they can by all means beat Toronto. If they win seven of their last eight games, which is not going to happen, but if they did that, they would be at 500. And considering where they were, I mean, if this Nets team wants to get into the playoffs and then make noise in the playoffs – This is something they have to do. It comes down to going into the locker room. When you get out of the shower, you look at the guy in the mirror, and this is gut check time, okay? This is, you know what? We've got the talent in this locker room. It's time for us to go out there on the floor. All season long, this is what I've been saying, 
This is the time. If these guys, if a Brooke Lopez, if a Joe Johnson, if a Darren Williams can't look in the mirror and say, you know what, if there's any differences, I'm not saying there are, I'm not speculating, but if there's any differences in that locker room, those differences have to be squashed. Yep, this is it. This Basketball is it. Basketball matters. You know what? If you want to go forward with this core, if Brooke Lopez doesn't opt out and comes back, this he could make a ton of money if the Nets get into the playoffs and make some noise. I'm not saying Brooke hasn't, because since the All-Star break, he's not just one of the best pe- players on the Nets. He's one of the best players in the NBA. Right. He's playing, theoretically, for a contract, because he can opt out and say, all right, who's going to pay me now? And he's still in his prime. He's 20, just turned 27. He just yesterday. turned 27. You know, he's got the foot problems. I, I get it. He's been injured a lot. But at the same time, when this guy is healthy, this is what he could do for you. And Lionel Holland said it, you know, he, he was beating it into his head. He wanted him to be a back down center. And then right. I think it was like maybe three weeks ago or, or right around the All-Star break, Lionel took him aside and said, look, I, I'm through trying to make you into somebody you're not. Just be yourself. And since that time, Brooke has gone off. It started coming off the bench. Now it's as a starter. And even when he was coming off the bench, Lou, he was playing more minutes than Mason than Plumley. Plumley. Yes, you know. Here's the thing. This is the. I'm going to go to the two steps forward, one step back thing again. The last five games, people can say, "Oh, you know, the Nets they play seven games against playoff teams, and then the Magic, blah blah blah. They're not going to do it." Their five game winning streak. They've beaten the the Cavaliers. Right, who, who are they, number two yeah, right now. In they, the it East. started with the Hornets, who are in contention for right. the eighth. They had spot. to win that game. Yep. They beat the Cavs. They beat the Lakers, who, okay, you know, it's the Lakers. They beat the Pacers, also in contention for that eighth spot. And then they beat the Knicks, who, yes, are the worst team in basketball. But those are the games you have to win. They've beaten the Knicks four times this year. And the Knicks, and you saw the Knicks didn't roll over. Anthony Early had 14 points in the fourth quarter. You look at at the Yankees last year, and they missed the playoffs by what? Two, three games? Three games? Yeah. They were two and four against the Astros. Right. So that's the Knicks to the Nets. They they need to win those games. Right. Now, the, the actual schedule, I finally got it pulled up because the Wi-Fi in our podcast room is a little, little slow. <laughs> a little sketchy. A little sketchy, so I, I, I finally got to, to pull it up. And let me, uh, let me grab it off my telephono here. My, it well, also why, makes phone calls. While you, yeah, while it's, you, uh, go it's, ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's obviously the game, against the, um, the game against the Raptors Friday night. Right. Uh, Saturday, they're at Atlanta. Okay, Monday Hawks. Monday is Portland at Barclays. That's the makeup. Wednesday is the Hawks at Barclays. So Friday. Hawks within five days of each other, yep. pretty much. Friday is the end of the homestand against the Wiz at uh, at Barclays. Okay. They go to Milwaukee on Sunday, the 12th, back home for Chicago on the 13th, and then they finish the out Magic. the 15th of the Now, take note of something else there. They have two road games in that stretch, and that's it. That's it. Six to the last eight are at Barclays. Get a good night's sleep. You got your sight lines. Yep. And you know what? Lionel, practice at Barclays Center Every time you play there, because mm-hmm. it seems to work. Yep. And it seems like the Nets are really starting to hit their stride when they really, really yeah. needed to hit their stride. Um, I just wanted to say one more thing. Darren Williams, it's time for him, too. You know, and I think Brooke. 26, 6, yeah, and 7 last night? Him, I did the numbers. Since becoming a Net at Madison Square Garden, 19.9 points per game, 49% from three, 44% from the field. And I think he averaged six rebound or six assists and five rebounds per game at the guard. And, and one showing up by Jeremy Lin a couple of seasons. <laughs> when he had 38. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the two steps forward, one step back thing was, I, I tweeted this last night in the midst of that near meltdown in the fourth quarter. The Nets led by 14 with 12 minutes to go right. and needed a tip in with two seconds right. left. And Langston Galloway still had that shot to win the game with two seconds left. That is why the Nets are 34 and 40. Because against the Knicks, who are playing assorted D League and should still be in college All Stars, they can win those games. They're not going to win those games against the Cavaliers, right. against the Bucks, no. against the Bulls, against the Wizards, no. against the Heat, against the Hawks. Who well, might be their first round opponent? They're not going to win a game against the Hawks. Well, I don't think. but let's not say no. But but the point is, the Knicks are the Knicks are the worst team in basketball, and they barely won that game. So th- you have to not do that. <laughs> you can't do that. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. 
Yeah, it, it's taking the foot off the gas. It's taking mm-hmm. the foot off the other team's neck, and that's something that the Nets have done all season long, and they've paid for it for yeah. the most part. Uh, l- there have been at least five or six games that I was a part of in studio where they had the lead mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. I'm not saying late in the fourth, but in the fourth quarter, they couldn't close. So if you take those five games and make them wins instead of losses, yeah. they're looking at 39 wins right now, and they're looking at the sixth seed. Again, like I said, the Yankees Six. were 2-4 and four against the Astros last year and missed the playoffs by a handful of games. So you have to make hay while the sun is shining. It's, it's an expression. I don't know what it means. Because I've never made hay. That's, but that's you seven, get the point. That's seven-game losing streak after winning six of seven in late December and mm-hmm. early January. And early January was only the one win against the Magic. But then they go on a seven-game mm-hmm. losing streak. You can point to a lot of things with this team as to where they, why they are where they are. Fact is this. You hear baseball teams talk about it all the time, especially the wild cards, Kansas City, San Francisco, Oakland last year, how you know we've been in playoff mode for a week or two now. So when we get to this spot, we're ready. Whereas you know last year the Angels and Nationals weren't quite ready for the – for the Giants and the uh, the Royals, the Nets are now in playoff mode. If they don't win four of the next seven, they do not advance. No, Th- that's it. They need to. It, it's against seven, six different teams because they play the Hawks twice. But if they don't win four of their next seven, they don't advance. And right now, as we sit here, the Celtics are only a half game behind them. They yep. hold the tiebreaker. They are virtually tied with the Miami Heat for the seventh seed, but the, the Nets are the, the eighth yep. because the Heat own the tiebreaker. So you look at the schedule. Right now, the Heat, even though they're evened up, are still a game ahead. Can we say how ridiculous it is ahead. that they beat the Heat four times last year? And then without, with LeBron. without LeBron, the Heat beat them four times <laughs> yeah. this year? That's weird. <laughs> And they didn't have Bosch, I think, for the last two games that they played the Heat. Definitely and, and the last Bosch, one. I'm not sure about the last and, two. And Bosch killed them yeah. last year and this year, especially in the playoffs last year. Whenever the Heat needed a big three, it was Bosch putting the nail in the coffin. Yep. And, and you go back to last year, this is what kills me about last year's Nets team. I mean, they put together pretty much – it was an old dream team, but it was still a pretty much it, – it, it was it had surrounding players that knew their role. You had Pierce, you had Garnett, you had Lopez, you had Williams. You had the pieces in pl- – and Joe Johnson, I can't leave him out. You had the pieces in place. Okay, Well, Lopez was injured. But you did – and if he wasn't, who knows what would have happened mm-hmm. in the playoffs, what, what the dynamic would have been. But you had the pieces in place to make a deep run. And in that Heat series – they had two of those games. Yeah. They had them. Mm-hmm. They could have taken the Heat to seven, or they could have even won that series. Think about that for a second. They were perhaps the only team that was... Does Paul Pierce leave if they beat the Heat and, and maybe put themselves in a position? Now, look, they no. went seven against the Raptors. Yeah. If they went seven against the Heat and, and, needed and maybe that, won needed that... needed that late comeback in game seven to hold yeah, it off. Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing with that. They were the only team last year out of the potential teams that could have faced the Heat in the second round. And, and beyond. They were the only team that, like, I don't want to say was was favored with a chance, but they were given the best puncher's chance solely because they had beaten them four times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that that's what they won gave, one? That's what yeah, gave course, Donnie but... and I, Donnie Marshall, I confidence after yeah. they beat the Raptors, hey, this team could beat the Heat. They, yep. Why can't they? They swept them four four times in the regular season. Yep. But, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a lot like hockey. You know, you get bounces, yep. you don't get bounces. Sometimes the shots fall, sometimes they yep. don't. Wide open looks go down, <laughs> sometimes they clang off the rim. It's just the way it bounced last year, and it's unfortunate for the Nets because they busted their rear ends to put together that team and to put them in that position. They just, you know, they didn't play D at the right time. They gave Bosch those wide open looks at the wrong time. And that's 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 what happened. And when you get to this year's team, win, lose, or draw, when you look back at them, you know... Let's let's project they go 500 the okay. rest of the way. We'll right. Just because a lot of people think they'll go one and seven. Nobody really thinks they'll go seven and one. But let's go in the middle. They finished 38 and 40, 44. So four and three, or no, four and four. You're yeah. saying four and four. Four and four. They finished 38 and 44. Okay, could be enough for the eighth seed. It could be. When you look back at this season, you'll see a 38 and 44 team. That's the that's the difference between this year's team and last year's team. Last year's team should have been better, and you look at their record and you say, well, this, you had this, you had this, you had this. There is no, well, this happened this year. This is the team. This is what they are. You look back at this five-game winning streak, which they could up to six, seven, all the way up to 13, depending on, on when, when they lose again. But then you look and see that, that losing streak back in, in the middle of the season. 
you'll see the inconsistency where they get blown out by 30 two games in a row against the Clippers and the Jazz and then come back and win. They are this up-and-down team. This is who they are. All right, just for the sake of argument, because I think we mentioned the Celtics, so we should mention who the Celtics have down the stretch. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's today, the second? Today is the second. So tomorrow, uh, Friday, sorry to date this, but they have the Bucks uh, at home. Then they're, they go on a three-game road trip. It's not an easy road for the Celtics either. Listen to this. Uh, Bucks at home, and then Raptors, Pistons, Cavs on the road, okay? Then they come home for the Cavs again, then the Raptors and Bucks. So that's, that's got a lot of obstacles in it too. Yeah. So the Nets and the Celtics, this is going to come down to which team, like I said, looks in the mirror – uh, guts it up. Mm-hmm. You could switch a letter there, <laughs> and figure out what intestinal really tr- fortitude. Yes, Chris. and really try and really figure out what I'm trying to say. But down the stretch, whoever gets that eight spot <coughs> between the Celtics and Nets, because the Hornets are, tr- are kind of dropping yeah, off right now. I was just I was and so are the, the Pacers. I was looking at the Hornets' remaining schedule. They're at the Pacers, the Sixers, at the Heat, Raptors, at Hawks, at Pistons, Rockets, at Raptors. Wow. So yeah, it's. Whoever makes the best of a bad situation is going to the playoffs. Let's just let's round it out. Let's round it out. Let's do the Pacers as well. Here's the Pacers. Uh, Hornets, as you said, Mm -hmm. and then Heat. Both of those are home. Then they go at Knicks, at Pistons. But then they have their last three games are Thunder, Wizards, Grizzlies. That's tough. They might now look. The Thunder's going to be playing for something. The Wizards are going to be playing for something. Mm. The Grizzlies might be the only team who might give some guys a rest. But they could still, with giving guys rest, they could still beat the Pacers. Here's, here's the heat, just for, for, com- for completion. Do it, baby. Let's go. At Cavs, at Pistons, at Pacers, three, all three of those games are in the next four days. Wow. Tonight, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, home for the Hornets, as you mentioned. Home for the Bulls. Home for the Raptors. Home for the Magic. And they close out the season wow. in Philly. This is going to be like a four-horse race to the finish line. This is like Kentucky Derby. This is going to be like a four partially crippled horse race yeah. to the finish line. <laughs> I mean, I hate to put it that way, but like the, these are teams that, like I said, whoever makes the best of a bad situation is going on. Hey, this is here. I'll put it into perspective for you. We always like to do the movie thing here. This isn't a movie line, but kind of I, I saw A View to a Kill, which is one of the worst Bond movies ever made. But Chris Walken is the is the bad guy, uh, Zarin in it. Um, and it's it's part of the movie is about racehorses and they inject them with the steroids during the race to make them flip out so the mm-hmm. other horse will win whatever give the horse an, an but that's what this is this is as you said four crippled horses who haven't really been consistent all season long the heat probably for the most part have been the most consistent team but even the Miami Heat are under 500 right now even the Bucks are under 500 yeah they've fallen they've fallen off the wagon so. This is this is pretty much you just heard the schedules mm-hmm. between Lou and myself. This is a throw it up in the air or throw it up against the wall and see who sticks. Yeah. It's it's man in the mirror time. It's the whole Bill Parcells man in the mirror, Michael Jackson man in the mirror. Who's gonna man up? Who's gonna look in the mirror and say, We want it, yep. we wanna get into the playoffs. We'll see. But it's going to be a very exciting last couple weeks of this NBA season yep. in the Eastern Conference. And I know a lot of people are out there saying Oh, come on. They're under 500. It is what it is. Yeah. Th- this is how it's set up. And Lou and I, you know, we had ways to try to fix that, but it's not going to happen. And at look, least not for the foreseeable future. And look, let's be fair when we get to the playoffs. If the Nets are playing the Hawks in the first round, you know, maybe they have a chip on their shoulder. They want to beat the Hawks right. who are going to take their draft pick. Right. If the Cavs play the Heat in the first round, wow. you don't think that it's, it's going to be was, a, yeah. a, a slaughter. Yeah. Dwayne Wade and Eric Spolstra and everyone who remembers LeBron James as a member of the Heat going to want to beat him. Yeah, exactly. They're going to want to beat him. It doesn't matter. Throw the records out. I know. I'm one of those people, too. You know, it, 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 it makes you crazy. H- having a team under 500 in the playoffs that could advance to the second round makes you crazy. But once the second season starts, you throw all that stuff out the window. Hey, you have to. Hampton won in the in the opening round of the NCAA tournament, right. and they were under five hundred. Right. And they're all you got to. They they won their last what seven games to or five games to be five hundred. They yeah. were twelve and seventeen or something. Yeah. And they ran through the right. they ran through the tournament, and then yeah. they won their first round game, and then you know Kentucky well, took them out behind a woodshed. You're gonna have that. 
you know, Kentucky would probably take the Knicks and the Sixers out behind the woodshed at this point. Segway. So, yeah. Segway. <laughs> See, you're on fire. I'm good. Too. I'm good. All right. Let's, uh, let's hit the uh, final four first. I just want, this is something called Quick Hits. The Nets was supposed to be part of the Quick Hits section of the podcast today. But uh, you can't just – you can't have no. Nets quick. You got to talk. You gotta because, be- you know what, let's be fair. Next week when we, when we do this, it's going to be all Yankees, which we'll talk about later. Yes. And then the week after, the season's going to be over. So this could be right. it for us talking about the Nets. Right. It's until, up to them. Until a post-mortem, I should say. It's up to you, Williams, Lopez, Johnson. It's up to you, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yeah, exactly. If we're talking about you or not in the coming. If you can make it there, you got on the right subway. Brooklyn, <laughs> Brooklyn. That's a song. There you go. It's a new pregame song. Um, final four. All right. All right. All right. You put Cremora into coffee. What happens? It rises to the top. And I say that. And it makes the coffee taste like, well, I'm not going to finish that. You could figure it out. Yeah. But um, I, I don't use, I used to use Cremora, and it's, it's just awful. But anyway, the four coaches in the final four. John Calipari, Tom Izzo, H to the Izzo, <laughs> Bo Ryan, Mike Krzyzewski. The cream rises to the A handful top. of national titles and a whole lot of vacated wins between them. Now, look, you have a seven in there in Michigan State. Yeah. Okay. Seven of the – coming in, seven of the last eight years, Izzo has gotten that team to the – now it's eight of the last nine, gotten them to the Sweet 16. Now he's back in the Final Four for the first time since 2010, and he could win the first national title since 2000. Let me ask you if you've seen either of these two things before you go on. Hit me. Number one, yesterday, part April Fool's joke, part hilarious, Uh Wisconsin. (laughs) University of Wisconsin-Madison's official Twitter account tweeted a picture of campus, and it's starting to turn green Uh because the snow's melting, and said, everything is turning green. Is this your idea of a joke, Michigan State University? Just having some fun with them, uh-huh. you know, Big Ten brethren, uh-huh. which was, I don't know if you saw that. It was hilarious. I didn't. The other thing I wonder if you saw is, I, I, and I saw it on Twitter, so I don't know where the graphic, I think it was a Fox Sports 1 graphic. Michigan State is UConn last year. They had the same exact conference record and conference finish. They were the number seven seed in the East. They beat the same seeds in the same rounds to get to the Final Four. They were at number, you know, number 17. These, they are UConn. Like it's the, the parallel is scary. How their path to the Final Four almost exactly mirrors UConn's. I wouldn't necessarily call them a Cinderella. Though. Minus I, the I, conference tournament win, of course. I, I would. I, they're one of Cinderella's stepsisters. I, I would say like they're a stat. I yeah, mean, it's, it's just it's, creepy though that they're like yeah. They're, here they are like I, nobody I hear thought, you. And and the other side of the bracket last year when UConn advanced to the the finals, right. Kentucky played Wisconsin. That was the other. That was the other deja vu. You're freaking me out now. It's like the Lincoln and Kennedy assassination. Kentucky played Wisconsin. You're gonna break down this like Father Guido Sarducci broke down those coincidences. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't do justice to Father Guido Sarducci, but it's just scary how Michigan State is like in that spot there, and they're that team that you just can't. You can't count them out until they're behind when the final buzzer rings. Everywhere I go, people who know me and people know what I do, and I'm sure it's the same thing with you. Whether it was a family function, my um, my cousin's son's birthday, uh, walking around the gym and having somebody ask me, the question I've been getting, the Yankees has taken a back seat for now. I'm sure those questions will be coming rapid fire shortly. Yeah. But the question was, can Kentucky do it? Can they go 40 and 0? And my answer was, yeah. I mean, the only team that I thought really matched up. Now, listen, Wisconsin... They won the first 38. you got to do that before you get to 39 and 40. And Wisconsin does match up well with them, but I think Notre Dame matched up better and had more athletic players than Wisconsin. And might have gotten jobbed at the end of that game, but still... Notre Dame, and I think we talked about this, Notre Dame played a perfect game. Yep. Perfect game. Now, I'm not taking anything away from the Irish, but that's a loss. Like, I don't know. Pick any other loss in the season... For Notre Dame, they will never remember that loss. This loss to Kentucky is something that they will take until they take their last breath. Mm-hmm. That's how historic that win could have been. Yep. You know, Kentucky is Goliath. Let's be honest. They, they've gone through every – LSU gave them a game. Columbia gave them a game for a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Um and Notre, but Notre Dame. Hampton held it to under fifty. They covered it, yeah, the spread. Yeah, if you watched, if, if you watched that Notre Dame game, Mike Bray, the conditioning he had his team in, Kentucky would score a bucket. Before you could blink your eye, the Irish had the ball 
And they were driving already to either tie it or take the lead. I mean, it was such a fun – that's what has me – has my love affair with college basketball. That's what keeps it going. Notre Dame for me is games one of, like that. Notre Dame for me is one of those teams, and Wisconsin fits in this this segment of the population, and so does Gonzaga. They're one of those teams that will be very good year in and year out. They're one of those teams that will make a deep tournament run year in and year out. They're one of those teams that will never win at all. Right. I, it just it's it, there's a certain something. My, minus the the two years that Butler reached the finals, there's just a certain something, and, and we're a and bank they, three, and we're away a bank from three away Duke. from yeah. <laughs> there would have been Gordon Hayward's oh resume highlight forever. Holy crap! They're just they're, there's a certain something it takes, not even to get to the final four because Wisconsin's now done it two years in a row. There's a certain something it takes to get to that next level, and Notre Dame just never gets there. Gonzaga never gets there. They were the darling of the ball when I was in high school and early college. The 12th seed. You know, making yeah. these all these runs. Right. Then they get to be ones and twos, and then they fail, and then this and that, and they've never made the Final Four. It's disappointing. Never made yeah. the Final Four. It, it's disappointing. Like, Mark, they're just one of those teams that, yeah. that they hit that glass ceiling, and they're just like, yeah, all right, we're here. See you next year. <laughs> uh, it's a shame, too, because Mark Fuse a I think he's a great coach, right. and he built a, he yep. built a program, which is what uh, Chris Mullen. And he's built a program not not with these one in. The, he's not he hasn't built a Calipari at Kentucky program. No, where no, he gets no, the no. Best that's not what I meant. Right. He's built a program where guys come, guys stay, guys become great. You look up and you say Kevin Pangos is still on that team, and he is, and he's there forever, and he's good forever, and then you know they go on their way. Uh, I mentioned I was on a I did a, a podcast for Fox Sports with uh, Ryan Fowler earlier this week. Uh, Yankees team report talking about the Yankees. You can check that out on Fox Sports website. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about something, and I likened it to like somebody still being there. I likened it to Wayne Blackshear at Louisville. Okay, like yeah. he seems like he's like a twenty third year senior. You know, like he's just we actually it was Pineda we were talking about. Like he's like been talked about for so long, and yet he still hasn't broken out. He's like, is he like that fifth and sixth year senior that's just still hanging around? Wayne Blackshear, Kevin Pangos, perfect example. In the landscape of college basketball, these guys don't hang around for four years anymore. But here they are, both of which were in the uh, you know the Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight. Now I, the segue once Sorry. again works. And Tangento. The question for everybody out there: I, I, I think Kentucky's going to win it all. I yeah, do. me too. I, and I think, and the reason why it's just a gut thing, but I think as a team, having their collective panties mm-hmm. in a bunch against Notre Dame probably had them learn okay we faced yep. adversity on a huge stage mm-hmm. we won even though as you said Notre Dame probably got jobbed on that call whatever yep. um but they needed that now that they've had that taste in their mouth yep they know that they could bond together through adversity and win a big game so I think Kentucky having that opportunity against Notre Dame and beating them, I think that's exactly what they needed to get past Wisconsin and get past Duke or Michigan State in the, in the final. Yeah, I'm going to go Kentucky over Duke, but you know, obviously I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan State pulls off one last one. But when Kentucky gets to that final, they're not only going to remember the taste they had in their mouth against Notre Dame, they're going to remember the taste in their mouth when they watched Shabazz Napier cut down the Nets last season. When they were the number one yeah. seed, top team, yeah. one of the top teams in the country, overwhelming favorite. And this hot UConn team that was nothing three weeks went earlier came in like and went through them like butter. a hot knife through butter. They're going right. to remember that, too. Yeah. Yeah, and they should. And the Harrison Twins will probably be the third and fourth picks in the draft. If that doesn't drive you, I don't know yeah. what does. Uh, Chris Mullen at St. John's. As you all know, I am a huge St. John's basketball fan. That man. You're the guy? Who they just hired. Yes. That guy who they just hired to run this program. Uh, to build this program, to take – I don't want to say build it from the ground up because I think Steve Lavin, even though they didn't win a tournament game, they did return to the NCAA tournament. Lavin did get them back on the right track, and I have nothing but good things to say about Lavin because he, in a way, St. John's was pretty much wiped off mm-hmm. the college basketball landscape. Yep. When you talked about college basketball, you weren't talking about St. John's because you knew – by the first quarter of the season, they were losing to Stony Brook and Iona and, you know, all these lower-class teams, and they were done. The Gales and the Seawolves. And well, and, and, and no offense to those teams, but St. John's 
from when I grew up watching them and, and started rooting for them, Mullen, I have his jersey. I tweeted it. I yeah. said we might be talking about this guy later on the show, and we are. <coughs> yeah, sorry. Before he signed the deal, he was already working. Matt Abdelmasa got him from Iowa State. The guy went to St. John's. He was the team manager from 04 to 07. He helped Hoiberg at Iowa State rebuild that program. Mm-hmm. So before he even signed his, put pen to paper, he was working. Now, I had some, I had some doubts about this. My first thought after, because at first they were bringing Lavin back. Mm-hmm. That was the report on ESPN. Then three days later, he was gone. Right. And my first thought, because people started texting me and asking me, and I, you know, maybe it was asinine of me or idiotic, but I said, let's bring Fran back. <laughs> get him, get his butt out of the studio, put him back on the sidelines. I mean, he's the guy who built that Elite Eight squad. Mm-hmm. Now, look, did he pull his pants down to practice? Maybe. <laughs> did, did, he, did he tell the guys what they needed to have in order to succeed? Yes. He probably showed them too. And, you know, you know, maybe that's. Maybe that's a bad thing, but they were winning. <laughs> um, I Listen, I had my doubts. I had my reservations about bringing Mullen back because my first thought was, my fr- the first thought as a St. John's fan was, it's a name. They're doing this just to make the, t- you know, the program relevant. Who knows if it's going to work? But then you listen to the press conference. Mm-hmm. You see a 90-year-old Louis Carnesecca introduce him. Guys like Mark Jackson – he reached out to. He reached out to Larry Bird. This guy, and then he says, I didn't think of this as just a job I wanted. It's an obligation. It's time for me to pay back what this university did for me as a springboard to my not only my life and how I grew as a man, but what they did for my basketball career. Now, Mullen had his problems when he was drafted by Golden State. He went out there. He was homesick. He ran up all these phone bills calling his girlfriend. Heard that on the Michael K. show. Uh, $600 phone bills calling his girlfriend, calling his, who is his wife now, calling his uh, father. Mm-hmm. Got into some bad habits, became an alcoholic. Don Nelson told him, look, you're not going to play unless you get help. He went and got help. Everything leading up to this point, he's an NBA Hall of Famer. There was a story about Karnaseka bringing Mark Jackson in as a freshman. And asking him if he was ready to go to work, picks him up off the desk, brings him into the gym. Who's in there? Mullen. Mullen, shooting. Had the keys to the gym, would open it up at 5 in the morning to shoot. That's why Mullen was one of the best shooters. That's why I have his jersey. He was my favorite player. I was devastated when the Warriors took him. I wanted him to at least stay in this area, whether it had been Philly, whether it had been the Knicks. The Knicks had the first pick that year. They were not taking Chris Mullen. Yeah, they, they took, took Patrick. They Ewing. took some other guy who turned out pretty good. Right. They 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 took the the cornerstone of the franchise for you know fourteen years. Co captain Patrick. Ewing. Yeah. Ewing. Thank you. Or fifteen years, whatever it was, to ninety nine when he went to the Sonics, and you know that was tough too. But anyway, Mullen's back. Mm-hmm. As I said, I had trepidation. I had all those thoughts when they when they started thinking about it. <clears throat> Hasn't coached a game in his career. But it's the same as Steve Kerr. Neither is Steve Kerr, yeah. It's the same as Steve Kerr. But, you know, immediate thoughts. You always have them as a sports fan. You never hear something and immediately sit there and start saying, hmm, and start thinking about it. You have that instantaneous thought where, ugh, really? Why are we doing this? Neither had Jason Kidd. I know. So. Neither is Derek Fisher. You start, well, you start thinking about this stuff. And it starts making sense. Mm-hmm. You start hearing how he's already getting wheels in motion. It starts making sense. He hires capable assistants. It makes even better sense. Mm-hmm. And here's the, the coup de grace in my eyes. And I was just talking about this at the gym with a guy who played basketball at Syracuse. And he said this is great. Was it Jerry McNamara? No, it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> Way before Sorry, Jerry Sorry, I, I got excited. Um, but I said this, and he agreed with me. Kids who he might want to get a recruit to St. John's may not know who he is without the Google machine. You know who does? Their parents. Their parents. Their fathers. Their uncles. Their grandfathers. The media. The media. These kids will know 
what Chris Mullen not only means to St. John's University, but means to New York City basketball. The guy is Brooklyn born and raised. If he brings in Mitch Richmond as an assistant coach, I'll buy season tickets with him. <laughs> I'll be right next to you. Um, but Mullen, if he can keep kids, great recruits from New Kyrie Irving, where is he from? Look. Wait. Yep. Answer me. Kyrie Irving is from New, New, Jer- New Jersey. Yeah. Where, where's Towns from? Plainfield, New Jersey. Where's Kemba Walker from? New Jersey. And played in at Christ the King. Or New York. Yeah. I'm sorry. But these are the kids that can't slip through the cracks anymore. Mm-hmm. If you look at that 85 St. John's team, and you know what? I'm going to do it right now. Well, while you look that up, let me make this point that, that, that parallels what you just said. In his press conference, Mullen said, I want to win New York. And this morning, as I, as I was coming in, I was listening to Boomer and Carton, and Jerry Recco was playing that during his update. Right. And Craig said, well, who's he competing against? There's no, Seton Hall's irrelevant, and there's nobody there. That's the answer of who he's competing against. Everybody else. Because Kemba Walker didn't go to St. John's. He didn't go to Seton Hall. He went to UConn. Kyrie Irving didn't go to Seton Hall. He didn't go to Temple. He didn't go to Villanova. He went to Duke. Carl Anthony Towns, same thing. He didn't come anywhere here. He went to Kentucky. Now, these guys are great players, and Duke and Kentucky and when Kemba went, UConn were on top of the basketball world. But you need to get a couple of those guys who are on top of the basketball world to decide, you know what? I'm staying home. I'm going to St. John's. Okay, you ready? The only one I can name is Mullen and Jackson. So, Well, Willie Glass. I'm sorry, Walter Berry. Walter Berry. Walter Berry, New York, New York. Chris Mullen, Brooklyn. Mark Jackson, Brooklyn. Um, Bill, Wenning, Bill Wennington was from Montreal. Yes, <laughs> Bill Wennington's Canadian. Mike Moses, New York, New York. Willie Glass, I was right, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Shelton Jones, Amityville, New York. Ron Stewart, Brentwood, New York. Robert Cornegie. Cambria Heights, New York. So out of a 15-guy roster, oh, there's another one, Steve Sharina from Woodside, New York. So one, two. Probably a walk-on. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine guys. Nine guys. And this team went to the final four, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Jackson, Chris Mullen, Walter Berry, Mike Moses, Shelton Jones, all very involved in that team. All from the New York area. All from the New York area. Look, if you look at... That is my point. Someone else tweeted a map of where all the players in the Final Four are from, and there's a buttload of them from Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. You know what that means? Wisconsin and Michigan State are recruiting very well in their backyard. Right. That's what Mullen needs to do. Now, Steve Lavin was the perfect hire for that St. John's program when he came aboard because he was enough of a name within college basketball that people were like, I would like to go play for Steve Lavin. Recruiting nationally, yes. Right. Now, with Chris Mullen, he is what Fred Hoiberg, to a lesser extent because he doesn't have as much coaching experience as these guys, he is to a certain extent what Fred Hoiberg is to Iowa State. They called him the mayor when yeah. he was a player, okay? <laughs> they called him the mayor. He is what Kevin Ollie was to UConn. Yeah. Coming and in. And what he is. Playing yeah. in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Learning under Jim Calhoun. Giving back to the program that right. spawned his career. Right. Hoiberg, the same thing out in Iowa. He is to, to this program what those guys, to a lesser extent, because he has less coaching experience. Billy Donovan. You could throw him in there, Billy too. Donovan to Florida. He is what they are. He understands the program, which is very important. People underestimate. He understands the tradition the value of the St. John's program. Mm-hmm. He understands the, the need for St. John's to win, win their backyard, and he understands basketball. Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh-huh. Who wouldn't want to go play for a Hall of Famer if you're torn? These kids that end up going to, you know what? St. John's has been in the dumps for years. You've said it very plainly. I know. I know firsthand. So not only could there be these kids like the Kyrie Irvings, the Carl Anthony Townses, the Kemba Walkers, what about these kids like... Joe Schmo from Pelham, mm-hmm. who decides, oh, I could go to St. John's, or I could go to Iona, because they win the MAC every year. Or I could go to, you know, Canisius. Or I could go to, like, they go to one of these smaller programs in a smaller mid-to-low-major program, because those teams win. Stony Brook. 
who's been in the American East final, what, five years in a row? Look, I know they're in a different conference now, but Syracuse with their issues, with their yep. scholarships, who knows? Maybe some of these guys yep. decommit to Syracuse. They got yeah. the Bayheim suspension. Maybe they don't want to go there. Maybe they want to play for Chris Mullen. Yep. You know, maybe that works. In there. I don't know if it does, but maybe it works. Doug in their McDermott favor. didn't necessarily want to play for his dad for four years, and it turned out to be the best yeah. thing that ever happened to Creighton basketball. And I would love for St. John's to cherry pick some Syracuse recruits. Oh, oh, I, knowing your thoughts on Syracuse, yeah. That would make my life. So if that happened, oh my goodness, would I be happier than a pig and you know what on this podcast when it when it did yes. happen? Um, but. Let's move on. we got to get to the Yankees. But before we get to the Yankees, a couple of uh, housekeeping uh, things. Number one, next week. Thursday night. Thursday, 5 to 7 at World of Beer, New Brunswick, 335 George Street. Um, this podcast will go live to the masses. Uh, we need you to be there. We ask you to be there. Uh, Jim Layritz is going to be there. Uh, the guy who hit the tide-changing home run against the Braves in the 1996 World Series, the start that Kenny Rogers had that put the Yankees in a 6-1 hole, and they were down, and they were down 6-3 until the bat spinner Layritz came up there. The bat spinning World Series tide-changing phenomenon. And for some reason, Mark Wallers threw him a slider instead of throwing him some 99-mile-an-hour cheese, and Layritz planted it. In the left field area, there was it Fulton County or was it? It was Fulton County. Fulton County because Turner Field was used for the Olympics that year, and then. So was. listen, we got Jim Layritz coming. He's going to sign autographs for twenty bucks. He's bringing pictures. He's bringing his book. Uh, I've got Steiner Sports collectibles coming. Anything that Steiner Sports collectibles, and we'll put I'll put the uh, list on our Facebook page so you could see what they're going to have. So it's not a guessing game. You'll know what's there if you want something. Come grab it. Uh, they always have great stuff, and they have this new thing where athletes write like Jimmy will write this story onto an autograph picture. He'll write the entire thing of his thoughts of the at bat, where his mind was at that day, you know, what, everything going on at that moment, he writes it over the entire picture. It's a great piece. And Steiner's doing it with all these athletes, like Messier, yep. about his three goals against the Devils and the Stanley Cup and whatever. You know, fill in your favorite athlete. They have them do this, and it's specific. So this stuff is great, and everything that's bought uh, goes towards Jimmy's charity. Uh, it, it benefits his charity work for Major League Baseball. So that's great. Lou and I are going to be there uh, interviewing him uh, for two hours, just talking baseball. We'll take some questions from those in the audience. We'll take we'll, some we'll questions have some fun from with the audience. Right. You could write them down. Maybe we'll see if we can get him to do a little bat spinning, kind of teach us how to do the, Absolutely. the bat spin. Absolutely. That would be great. Uh, you know? we, we have a stage, too, so he could show yeah. us. The, I'll bring a bat down. He could show us the bat spin on the stage. And we also have another special guest, a 12-year-old girl. Uh, she runs a charity called Daniela's Wishes. Uh, and we're going to get into that with her. We'll, we'll have, because Jimmy does charity work. Daniela, she's yep. 12. We'll bring her up on stage. We'll let Jimmy interview here, her. It'll be fun. And then afterwards, after the podcast, Jim's going to sign. You could check out the silent auction uh, that benefits his charity through Steiner Sports. Uh, great food, great drinks. And great company. Lou and I are going to hang and watch the Yankees yep, and Blue Jays. Yankees, Blue Jays. That'll with be Layritz. That will be the first start of the year for a man who's very well uh, going to be very well in the spotlight this year. One CC Sabathia. CC Sabathia. So we'll have plenty to talk about leading up to that game. Uh, you guys, as Lou said, could ask us questions, and we might even have a former host of this podcast show up and Shh. and do a little time too. So it, it's shaping up to be a great night. All that's missing is you. We need you. There's, the parking is right behind. There's a parking deck. There's a structure right behind World of Beer. You could park there. You could take mass transit in from the city. Yep. Uh, there's a New Jersey transit. There's a New Brunswick stop right down. It's two, three blocks away at most, and it's not city blocks. They're short blocks. They're New Brunswick blocks. You get off the train. You walk three blocks. You're at World of Beer. That way, if you have some drinks, you don't have to worry about driving. You get back on the train and get back home safe. Yep. You know, that, that's what we're all about here. We're promoting safeness here. Uh, but there is a parking lot. Bring a designated driver. It's going to be a load of fun. We're going to sit there. We're going to talk baseball for two hours. We're going to have some fun with Daniela. We'll have some fun, hopefully, with a former host of this show. And, uh, we'll some fun with Jim Lairitz. Yeah, and we're, we're going to have a boatload of fun with Jim Lairitz. He is so amped up 
to do this. He is so psyched to talk baseball with us for two and hours. We, and we both, on the record, we obviously both know Jim Leyritz very well. Right. Chris from you know from being here for so long, and me from working. I see him at Old Timers Day. I've seen right. him in Trenton. We, right. You know. We, we we both know Jimmy very well, so yeah. it'll be a lot of fun for the three of us to be up there and 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 hanging it's out. It's going to be a hoot, shooting the breeze, yeah, talking talking ball. So come on out and like I said, support the, everything. Yeah, the only thing that's missing is you. Yep. So please, there's no cover. You don't have to pay a dime to get in. If you don't want the autograph, you don't have to get it. But the option is there. Like I said, he's bringing his book, Catching Heat. Uh, that's also great. Maybe we'll see if he'll you know. Give us a copy we can give away in the future. Right. You know? Right. You never know what could happen. An autographed copy. Well, you know, we'll ask him. For, I'm sure he'll do that yeah. for nothing. Um, he's, <laughs> he's great like that. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great time. Um, so come down. World of Beer in New Brunswick, New Jersey, 335 George Street. Like I said, you could train it. You could drive it. It's real easy. Parking behind. And the train station's right down the road. Speaking of Jersey, too, um, we'll have that podcast. Whatever we do live. Uh, will be for the live audience, and then we'll have that as a podcast the following day. So if you miss it on Thursday, you'll be able to hear it on Friday, but it's not the same. Uh, two weeks later, on the 21st, uh, Tuesday the 21st, Chris and I will be participating in a – I'm going to call it a celebrity softball game because I just want to call myself a celebrity <laughs> in, in context. Uh, Joey Logano, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and Todd Bodine from oh, NASCAR. Todd Bodine's coming too? Yep. We'll be at – uh, Arm and Hammer Park in Trenton, our good friends from the Thunder, mm-hmm. are hosting a Dover versus Pocono, the third annual Dover versus Pocono and NASCAR softball game. Those three drivers will be a part of it. Lou DiPietro and Chris Sheeran will be in the game. Booyah! Which, which will be interesting because if they let me live tweet, this could be fun. Yeah. I hope Chris pitches for the other team because I'm no, going to take No, unless there's an L screen, I will not be pitching. <laughs> um so we're going to have a lot of fun with that, and then we'll get to talk to hopefully some of those guys, and we'll be down there. Uh, if you haven't noticed the way cuts have been going in Yankees camp, Trenton's going to be a pretty good team in April. Yeah. So yeah. you might want to come out. That is, I believe, their fifth home game of the season, fourth or fifth home game of the season. So it'll be one of your first chances to see the 2015 Thunder. You'll get to see Rookie making his debut as the Bat Dog this year. My Love wife is already mad she's not nice. coming because of that. Oh, bad. So that's, uh, that's Tuesday, April 21st. The softball game starts, I believe, at 4 mm-hmm. uh, or 4.30, and the gates open at 4. With Anyone with a ticket to that night's game, I believe they're playing New Hampshire that night. You get the softball You get game. the softball game, too. You can come in. There'll be, I believe there's stuff, stuff going on with the NASCAR drivers as right. well. We'll be there. I'll be there getting some stuff for our minor league coverage. It's going to be a good time. You can come heckle us if you want. Do anything you want. I mean, you know, the, whoever's coaching my team will probably put me at shortstop just as a goof. But come have some fun with us. Come support the Thunder, you know, on, yeah. their, on their opening home stand. Absolutely. Have a Thunder dog, some crab fries. Check out Rookie. Ooh, the crab fries. There's a couple of good guys. Uh, some guy named Severino is probably going to be there. Who? Bird. Who? Uh, Judgy? Aaron Judgy? Aaron? Aaron is going to be Aaron Judgy? They're going to be a pretty good team, so you might want to come out just to see them, and the softball may not be as great, depending yeah. on who's playing, but come out and support everything with that, and you know we'll be doing a little bit of uh, and if for Chris Sheeran Show stuff there as well. For nothing else, come see Lou in shorts. <laughs> Those pasty white legs you were talking about a couple weeks ago on the podcast? I'll be wearing my baseball pants. Yeah, me too. And now a cup. That you said that. <laughs> and an alphetic sip otter. Oh, boy. Um uh, real quick, because uh, I have some Michael K. responsibilities that I have to get to, and I can't be late. But the Yankees, uh, as we sit here, four days away. Yep, they're playing the half of their remaining spring training games are currently in progress. They right. have two left with the Nats after today, one in uh, Tampa, one in D.C. Right. Adam Warren is your fifth starter in the uh, most surprising news since kinda, the sun rising in the East. You kind of yeah. knew that was coming. Um, especially after Esmeral Rogers got clobbered in his last two starts. Yeah. Rodgers will go to the bullpen. Uh, the Yankees sent out some guys as well. Looks like Jason Shreve and Chris Martin are going to fill out those last two bullpen spots. Okay. The only other one left in camp is Bailey. Hasn't pitched back-to-back yet. He'll be there soon enough, I think. But Yeah, they sent him down. He, no, he's, he's still there. Oh, he's still? I thought he's, they sent him no, down. No, he's still there. He's the only other one still there. There's, I was given bad information from th- myself. three pitchers, two spots, but he's, okay. he's the long shot. Uh, Gregorio Petit right, saw uh, acquired that. from Houston yesterday. Because Brendan Ryan is on the DL. Yep. Strained his calf uh, yesterday in the midst of uh, game action. Does a hell of a Harry Carey impression, though. He does. And thanks for hurting yourself in inning after we tweeted that, Brendan. Appreciate it. Um, no, I, I shouldn't say that. Brendan's a great guy. <laughs> um, and I don't want to bark. Um, oh, stop. But 
Petit looks like he's going to be the backup infielder. Rob Refsnyder and Nick Noonan were sent back to minor league right. camp this morning, so that's pretty much Petit's job. He's on the roster. Leaves Murphy versus Romine, the ultimate battle one time for all time for the backup catcher, which I think is Murphy's at this point. I, I don't know, but camp is coming together. Hopefully everybody gets through healthy. The Ryan thing was a little a bump in the road, but uh, you know, the Yankees went out and picked up Petit. He's, a, he's basically Brendan Ryan – Clone. And what Good about defensive shortstop, decent hitter. What about Texas knee? Fine. He's fine. He All played right. yesterday. He's fine. He's playing today. He's Ellsbury. fine. Came through fine. Minor league game fine. All right. Major league game fine. So the Yankees are set up now yep. for a full roster yep. opening day, with the exception of Ryan, of course, yep. you know, hurting his cap, but he wasn't a starter anyway. And there's a lot of people that are up in arms about the Ref Snyder thing. Why? And I, I don't get – including – one of them is – It was defensively, though, right, that Cashman said yes. that he needed a little bit more seasoning? And I understand and, – and we go back and forth a lot. Pinstripe Prospects is one of our affiliates, mm-hmm. YesNetwork.com, and one of their one of their head writers, Jed, who has covered Trenton as long as I've been going there, you know, is a prospect bonanza of information. Right. Is, is one of those who's very much on the Ref Snyder train. And I, I love Ref Snyder. He's a great guy to talk to. He's a good player. You know he's a great hitter. He's learning second base more than adequately defensively. I, you know, he's one of those guys that I've built such a rapport with that I want to see him succeed because it'll be like, yeah, that's my boy. You know what I mean, kind of thing. He's not ready, right, to be the New York Yankees' right. everyday second baseman. Nor is there a spot for him. Um, Robinson Cano didn't break camp either, and then late April, guess who was the second yeah. baseman in Tampa? What What would be better for his development? Coming up and sitting on the bench and playing behind Stephen Drew once or twice a week, or, or going to Triple A and playing every day? Exactly. I mean, it's it's a no brainer, right? It's like having Mackenzie Skapsky on the bench for the Rangers, and he played two games. Now he's your number one goalie in in Hartford in yep. the AHL. His rear ends on the on the bench, yeah. all but two games. He played against the Buffaloes, uh, Sabers. Yeah, the, Elaine Vigneault said the Buffalo killer. Yeah, because he beat him twice. Yeah, well, so is everybody else. It league. makes no sense. You're absolutely right. right. He needs to be playing every day. How could he work on his defense if he's on the bench? Exactly. There's only so much that Joe Espada can do with him. You know, taking infield reps. Yeah, in practice. Right. So but practice isn't. You know, the eighth inning of a big game, up right. one with a guy on third right. and one out. And, you know, Ref Snyder made, I think, six or seven errors so far this spring. And a lot of those, he, he's acknowledging, if you've watched them, are, you know, he makes a great play and then not, not so great throws. It's not like he just throws the ball. and It's not like he Chuck Knoblocked it out there. Yeah. I mean, let's be fair. So, you know, it's better for his development to go be the everyday second baseman at Scranton Wilkes-Barre. It's better for Gregorio Petit to be Brendan Ryan because – that's been his role. The guy spent seven years in AAA. Not exactly a key piece going forward in terms of a cornerstone of a franchise. You know what I mean? This is his role. So let him fill it. All right. Considering what Joe Girardi has been able to do the past two years with the injuries that we talked about and over us. and over and over <laughs> again, you know, and being able to squeeze at least seven or eight more wins than he should have out of these teams, I think if the Yankees stay healthy, and, you know, we've talked about this internally. The AL East is full of problems. Full of problems. Name a team. They have issues. They do. Yep. Masahiro Tanaka, elbow aside, is still probably the best starting pitcher in the division. If the Yankees stay healthy, okay, mm-hmm. even if the AL East beats each other up, I'm, I'm saying right now, if, the, if, if, and it's a big if, gigantic, pick the biggest font and the, the biggest number to, to use that font. We're talking Verdana 72, folks. Thank you for coming up with that. Oof. I'm um, a writer. I'm a writer. That's what I do. But pick that font. If the Yankees stay healthy, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I think they could win 88 to 90 games and win the AL East. 88 wins could win the AL East. This could be a lot like the AL Central of yore, a little bit better, but a team that doesn't win a wild card in the division, but you could win the division with 88 wins. Right. Because Boston has great offense, but how will Bogart, their pitching? How will Bogarts do? Yeah. How will Henry Ramirez take the left field? Where's their pitching? Is Porcello going to be good? Is Miley going to be good? Blah 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 and down the line. Edward Mujica is their closer. I look at Porcello's numbers at Fenway. I, I didn't do that. I have to look at that. Yeah, so there's questions. Tampa Bay's pitching staff is currently uh, tape one, bubblegum two, and <laughs> and somewhere in there is Drew you know, Smiley. It's a shame. It's a shame yep. because Archer and Moore are so good. The, the, their rotation is, is suspect, and, you know, Longoria's coming off a tough season. 
And he's always hurt. They traded Zobrist, which could yeah. be huge. You know, how will Ice Dribble Cabrera come Madden's back? Joe not there anymore. And he's not there anymore. So they have questions. Baltimore has pretty much stayed the course, but lost Nelson Cruz. And Mark Kakis. And Mark Kakis. And Weeders is not fully healthy. Right. And they replaced him with a full season of Steve Pierce. Diaz is now a full they, they didn't, you know, they didn't do much. They didn't go above and beyond. They didn't go above right. and beyond to replace what they lost. So who knows what? And they had Andrew Miller down the stretch last yeah. year. Let's not forget. And now the Yankees yep. have Andrew Miller. And then Toronto, everybody was on Toronto's, you know, case on their bandwagon two years ago. They're going to win 100 games, and they haven't done anything. So until they do, they're Toronto. Right. So this is a division again, 88 wins. And listen, I I know fans get Could get you back to the future. I know, playoffs. yeah, yeah. I was going to say that when this baby hits 88, you're going to see some, yeah, you're going to see some serious playoff games. There you go. All right. But yeah, uh, like I said, I really think they could win 88 to 90. If, if they, if they lose Tanaka, if Sabathia can't give them, you know, I'm not sitting here right now on April 2nd saying Sabathia is going to give you 200 innings because that's ludicrous. Let's, let's put it this way. This team could win 88 to 90 games. If everything goes right, everything's healthy. They have the talent. If, if more than one thing goes wrong, the wheels could very much fall off the cart quickly. It could be a jackass shopping cart down the hill. Yes. Um, ending. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this. Could, I, that was that was the thing I pictured as soon as you. It said could that. crash and burn, get back yeah. up, and crash and burn again. Yeah. Like this is there's there's no room for error. Right. Um, if things go wrong the way they have the last couple years. We're going to obviously hope for, for that yeah, not to happen. Yeah. But this is a, a team that things could go very right and they could do very well. But if things go things go wrong, this might be the toughest of the three seasons be, between 2013-14 and this year if everything goes wrong for Girardi to keep everything afloat right. the way he's done the last year. Because you don't want to rush any of these kids no. from the farm. And, you know, that's something I know the Yankees no. are, And you are, don't want to see A-Rod playing third base every day. No. You don't no. want to see – you know, Chris Young is a good fourth outfielder, but if he's playing every day, wanna, yeah, something's right. wrong. Like, right. you know, that means Beltran's hurt, or, or even worse, Gardner, Ellsbury. Like, you don't want no. You don't want to see what's going. What Joe Girardi. Chris can Young do. is a nice fourth outfielder. He yeah. was he was waived from the Mets last year. Yeah. So that should tell you something in their outfield. What you know. And you know what? The other side of that though is come September. You know how Perella got his shot last year towards mm-hmm. the end and what. Come September, if Aaron Judge hits three fifty in Trenton and gets moved up to AAA. And come September, if Ref Snyder hasn't gotten a chance, but he hit 340 in AAA again, Steven Drew's who on knows? a one-year contract. Yeah, you know knows? what? Beltran can DH if he's not feeling uh-huh. well or older. What happened to Brian Roberts? He yeah. didn't finish the season. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's you could get the first taste of the future. And all, Drew has to hit. Run. Yeah, Drew has to yeah. hit. So does Didi. Needs yeah, to hit Didi needs to hit too. So, yeah. So, the, the, like, I, like I say all the time. <laughs> it's it, funny. It, you talk about how the Yankees want to do defense. but Yeah. Just looking into the Mets giving Juan Lagares $23 million over oh the next God. four years. Oh, my God. The guy had a .2 offensive war in 2013. I, I don't and know. just got a $23 million extension I, because I, his defense is that valuable. Yeah. Yeah. If And one last tangent about that we, uh-huh. we haven't gotten to talk about, so I won't bring it up in depth. ESPN, I believe their MLB preview issue had an article on Jonathan Lucroy, uh-huh. the Brewers, who talking about pitch framing and how catching and shooting mm-hmm. and all that. And they estimated that if pitch framing was factored into defensive war and then into overall war, Jonathan Lucroy would have had the third best war in the league last year. Wow. Jonathan Lucroy, who's a great hitter, Mm -hmm. great catcher, but undervalued and underpaid by a lot of metrics for what he does. Uh, War. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. That's why I don't take a lot of stock in defensive sabermetric – Numbers. Well, Joey and I have talked about this with Kevin Kernan and, and a couple other uh, of the beat writers. And, you know, players, there, there's a lot of players that will wake up and they'll have a, a tight hammy or a tight quad. They won't say anything. And then they go out there, make an error, or, you know, that doesn't, how does that factor into yeah. a war? Are you going to add an injury that a player doesn't do you, tell you about? I was going to say, do you take into stock, well, you know, the guy slept wrong on his sleep? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I didn't sleep that night. That doesn't factor. Does a guy in. sliding in the second base hard affect his UZR 150 rating when he, he throws the ball away? Right. I mean, he's got a bad raspberry, and you know, when he went to throw, it kind of locked up. Not being able to hit an 89 mile an hour slider is one thing. Throwing a ball in the in the left field when you're you know a catcher and you're throwing to third base and 
the batter is in the left hand right or the right hand batter's box and you got to go around like i mean look i don't i don't poo poo sabermetrics they they obviously nope. work they yep. do look at the a's i mean but that's how a, they compete but there's there a lot are, of things that need work right you're absolutely right let's agree to disagree yep or not anyway allow myself to introduce myself <laughs> there's another one <laughs> wrap it up smoky all right wrapping it up right at the hour mark by the way again we're good. another free hour we're good of podcast material hijinks and hilarity from lou and chris and don't forget please next thursday world of beer new brunswick new jersey we take this on the road live over the summer we're going to try to do that more we're going to try to pop up in some more locations we'll try some places in connecticut we'll try places deeper in new jersey maybe down the shore where mike and chris used to do their show at bar a I'm going to work with them and see if we can go down there and get something done. Um, we got things working, folks. We're working on some stuff. We're, we want to get you, our loyal fans, involved, and uh, we're going to have some fun. Uh, mm-hmm. So we appreciate it uh, all the time, tuning in, listening, giving us a, a, a shout on Facebook. We appreciate it. But come down and see us live next Thursday, 5 to 7, and then hang out and watch the Yankees and Jays with me, Jim Leyritz and Mr. Lou DiPietro. We'll see you hopefully next Thursday. And if we don't see you, hopefully you'll hear us. Adios, everybody.